Hey, Money Bosses, welcome back. Carmen and I are continuing our conversation on a topic that a lot of you definitely hide away from and sort of put it on the back burner. At least with the clients that I work with, that's like one of the last to do things on their list. And before they show up in, uh, at my doors, they keep putting that off, putting it off, putting it off. Now, Carmen has an awesome, awesome and very different process to not only get you the estate planning documents done and, done. and in the first session we talked about what estate plan includes, kinds of documents you need to have, and when you need to actually think about starting those. So if you haven't watched that session, please go back. Um, but here we wanna dive in deeper and really explore the next layer of what, um, what anyone can really work on in terms of thinking um, as what kind of uh, imprint they wanna live um, onto the world after they're no longer here. Now, Carmen calls that legacy planning. So let's dive in deeper. Carmen, welcome back. Thank you so much. Yeah, so legacy planning for me is really creating a plan, right, um, to look at the imprint that you're going to leave in this world, how people were going to remember you, not, and it goes beyond finances, right? When we look up legacy and we look up that term in the dictionary, it says it's an inheritance, right? People will get what people get in a monetary, um, um, like monetary um, possessions, right? And for me, I take it a step further and I encompass like kind of a holistic approach. Like it's more than money. It's how you make people feel, what your character is like, we know what you stand for and who you are. And so we do um, this approach where we look at the individual before we sometimes we create the documents to really figure out who they are. And I know that, you know, in our previous conversations, we've talked about, I do an obituary exercise, right? Where we really dive deep into how you want to be remembered, right? And so in doing estate planning, um, I deal with death, right? Essentially, I'm preparing you for your death. And what I want to do is I really want clients to look at how they're living on their day-to-day -day basis. Yes, let's create your documents. Let's protect you legally, financially, et cetera. But let's also look at how you're living in your day-to-day -day life. Like, are you fulfilled? Are you joyful? Are you always angry? Are you miserable? You know, what is it that you're presenting and how are you presenting yourself to the world? And so we'll do an obituary exercise where we take it, we basically take a look, like if you passed away today, and right, and this is great for, for you all to, that are watching to kind of pause and take a moment and if, think about if you were to pass away today, what would people say to you, say about you, right? What would they remember you for? Um, and in doing this exercise with a lot of my clients who also tend to be moms, um, they're just like, I don't, you know, oh, she was a great mom. She did everything for everybody. And then they pause and they're like, but that's not really living for me. It's living for everyone else. And so it's a great way to gauge how much you are, you are living versus existing, if that makes sense. Oh, I love it. Living versus existing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, cause it's so easy for us to get stuck into autopilot and to just kind of do our day-to-day -day stuff with really no end, end in mind. And we just kind of go about our days and that's it. Um, and so many of my clients, as you mentioned, they're like, it's the estate planning has been on my list and I just don't want to look at it one. Right. And this is, this is a thing, right? Well, they're worried that once they do it, especially with, when I work with a lot of Spanish speaking clients and when they come to me, there's a superstition that if they sign these documents, then that means they're going to pass away. Right. Yeah. Or they've had experiences. I had one client who her mother did her estate plan right before she passed away from cancer. And so her thinking was, and 
that if she started her estate plan and finished it, that she would get some terminal illness and pass away. And so there's these other kind of subconscious, like psychological beliefs that people engage in or, you know, and so we'll do some coaching around that to figure, to say, you know what, these are documents. What would be worse is, you know, your family passing away without being protected, right? And so once they get it done, they're like, oh, it's such a relief. Like that's one thing after our first meeting, it's like, oh, I have so much peace of mind. You know, clients will come in stressed, stressed, Mm -hmm. thinking about our meeting and they're like, I couldn't sleep the night before. And as soon as we sit down and they basically do a brain dump and they get all of their concerns out, they feel so much lighter and so much better. And the documents haven't even been done yet. And so it's just starting the conversation is going to be step one. And so, yeah. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that superstition uh, in the past quite, quite a bit too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's only around Spanish speaking folks. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So I know it's one of those things that's like, okay, let's move on. <laughs> okay so we get we get to talk we get to think through with you uh, as to how we want to be remembered i really love what you said about living versus existing um so what 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 are the next steps that you take after that after the obituary exercise yeah. or okay so after the obituary exercise um clients that's kind of when they have their aha moment right where it's like oh wow all of you know this is who i am and then the next step is, right, and it's probably something that you do with your clients, right? What are your, what are your goals? Where do you want to be in 10 years, right? You specifically look at probably finances. Mm -hmm. um, I'll look at finances. I'll look at trips. I'll look at life experiences. And so we take this whole approach and say, okay, what are your 90-day goals? What are your year goals? What are your five-year goals and 10-year goals? And then we create an action plan, right, that, okay, what can you do today to get you closer to those goals? Um, and because sometimes, and sometimes it's saying, they're like, I want to buy a house. Okay. Well, maybe you need to go talk to a mortgage person. Maybe you need to go talk to a financial advisor, um, to figure out how you can make your money work for you, right? How you can build your wealth so that you can afford the down payment. Um, maybe it's being able to pay for your call, your children's college tuition. Well, do you need life insurance? Do you need other avenues that will allow you to create that wealth or have that those liquid assets available to you um and then it's some of it is taking trips okay and so it what it comes down to is the fine the money part of it right we do start looking so much at how are you going to reach these financial goals like looking at where they're at how they're spending their money right i don't call it a budget but i'll have them do like a money tracker to see where their money is going um, and the idea is that they become more self-aware self-aware of who they are where their money is going, what their goals are, and how they want to show up in this world, and making sure that they're reminding themselves on a daily basis to show up in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In in your um, you mentioned uh, in the first session in the in in your seven week coaching program, mm -hmm. right? Seven weeks, I think you said. Um, so is that what you have clients uh, work through? That kind of a yeah. Yeah. So the first six weeks is very much the self-awareness, getting to know yourself better, working through limiting beliefs, addressing your money story, right? I'm not sure if that's something that you discuss, but it's this money story that we were raised with, right? So for me, one thing that I had to work through a lot was that you have to work hard in order to make money, right? And now that I've done more of the work, I realize I can, if I enjoy what I do, you know, and there's that saying, right? you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. And doing what I love, I'm like, I would do this for free if I could, but I'm fortunate enough that like, it's a profession that I can charge for. 
And I make so much more money when I'm in alignment and really loving and working with my clients that money flows more easily, right? And so my parents and my grandparents' money story of you have to work hard, you have to hustle, you have to like, you know, burn the midnight oil, I realize is not the only way. And that's not the way that works for me. And so we'll go through, you know, money stories or that money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, all of the things that we've heard growing up so that we can receive more, you know, get more abundance and more can come into us. Um, and so we work on that. And then we also look at, and it's a really interesting connection as to how our money story is, cre is connected to our self-worth and what we believe that we can bring in, right? And so that's some things that we work through in the six-week program. We'll also look at relationships and we work through the estate planning questionnaire. Who would you name? Um, who's important to you, right? We talked about this in the first session, looking at your relationships and the people that you trust. And then um, also listing out your assets. What do you want to own? versus what you already have, right? So like, let's look at what you own and then we'll create like an ideal estate planning asset information. So it's like, okay, this is what we're working towards, you know, multiple properties, investment properties, stocks, et cetera. Um, and then in the last week, we go through all of the important documents for estate planning um, that I, I mentioned before. And then we do an even deeper dive into the guardianship part of it as well. Yeah, I'd love for us to, chat, to touch on that as, uh, a little bit too, because I think a lot of folks here um, either planning to have kids or already have kids. And um, I think the statistic, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's something like half, half the population still doesn't have anything formal in place. And so it's actually more than that. Oh, 73% okay. of people don't even have wills. Um, okay. is, I, I think I'm living in like, uh, in the past, but oh my gosh, that's already, that's even, that's even it's like, it's, and when I read that, I was like, no, no way, you know, and, and it's shocking. It's really shocking, especially because, you know, inflation, um, you know, it's, I mean, for me, I guess it's even more shocking and it may not be for California, that 73% because of the cost of living here, right? Like everything okay. is so expensive that I'm like, if you own property or you have assets or if you're in tech, you have to have, and like, there's, I just cannot grasp, you know, I just cannot grasp what, you know, not having an estate plan and especially living and making the money in Silicon Valley that that's here. Um, and so, yeah, 73% do not have a will. Um, and when people think about estate planning, right, sometimes they don't even think about the guardianship part of it. Um, and I will say that one thing that prompted the guardianship even more for me, right, because I had my trust and everything was going to my brothers and then I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, well, everything's now going to my daughter. I purchased more life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. um, and the one thing that they asked right before you go in to give birth is, you know, at least they did for me was, do you have an advanced healthcare directive? And I was like, actually, I do. And they're like, oh, we thought we would have to give you a form. Most people don't have it, right? Um, and so if you are planning to have children, right, um, or if you are pregnant or if you have children under the age of 18, you need to appoint a guardian. And there's, um, so in the legacy guide that's, that I'm providing, um, there is, um, there are some guidelines on things to consider when you're appointing a guardian, um, the biggest mistakes that are made. 
Um, but as I mentioned in the first session, there's an exercise that we do um, with our clients because sometimes they're like, oh, I'm just gonna pick my brother because it's my brother and that's that. Um, and, and as I mentioned previously, don't think about just the finances, right? Because you're a money boss, you're managing your finances, you're working with the planner, you have, you're setting all of that up for your children. Um, or even, you know, maybe it's nieces and nephews, whoever you're gonna leave your money to, right? Like you're handling the money part. Now, when it comes to guardianship, um, there's two types, essentially, guardianship of the estate and then guardianship of the person. Of the estate, right, that's the money part of it. You can have your trustee, whoever you name, be in charge of the money part of it. But the guardian of the person is basically who's going to have custody of your child. Um, who's going to take care of them on a day-to-day -day basis? Are they, you know, as nurturing as you are? And so what I do is I say, put money aside. Don't think about finances. Assume that your child will be financially taken care of. Now you make a list of the five most important qualities that are important for you or moral values that you have, right? So maybe it's honesty, maybe it's love, um, whatever it is, right? So your five values, fold paper in half or draw a line down the middle and then name your five top people that you would name as guardians um, and then go through and see which guardians match the majority of those core values that you have if you don't have somebody that matches that i would ask you <laughs> to reconsider who you are appointing as a guardian right because if these are your values and you don't have anybody that would meet those or teach your kid or train your child the way that you would, right? Because the idea is that you will never find a perfect replacement for you, but you want to find someone who will love your child the second best and treat them as well as they could be you, right? So it's the second best you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I have my clients think about rather than the financial part, because there's ways to manage the finances and you can build that up. If they have a temper, if they, you know, <laughs> If religion is very important to you and they don't believe in religion, but that's something that you want, that's something to consider. And so it's your five important, you know, core values and then looking at your five most important people and see who meets most of that criteria. And then, of course, assuming that they're able and capable to take care of your child, then that's who I would suggest you go with. Probably a good match. Yeah, I, I bet that most people don't think about that way. Like, mm -mm. I think that's I, I think the values period, and I love to touch on that topic with everyone um, yeah. that we work with too, uh, even just trying to align people's uh, you know, goals and dreams, um, mm -hmm. or even looking at simple things like spending, like you spending your money here and really why does that, is that, does that align with your values? Like you're, you're kind of doing the same exercise, yeah. <laughs> this, this cup of coffee because it's convenience or like you really love this coffee. Like, so I, I love that for sure. I don't think I've picked guardians uh, thinking about that uh, or uh, thinking intentionally about that. But I, I mean, I, um, I, I did give it some thought and said, all right, this person is going to do just as good of a job as me, but not connecting the dots. So I don't yeah. know. I feel good. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, it's funny so because because mm -hmm. I, I, have, I have a brother who's only 17 months younger than me, doesn't have any children, lives in LA, is a bachelor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll just give her to my brother. You know, my, and I'm thinking, my brother, a bachelor, with my six-year-old sassy daughter who loves to play dress up. And I was like, I don't know that that would be the best match. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, as much as I love him, I just don't know that that's the route that we're going to go. <laughs> and so, you know, thinking about that. And then obviously there's some other things to consider if you don't mind, if I, we have some time, um, is if you're looking at appointing a couple, so a married couple. So say 
my brother was married, right? And I wanted to appoint him and his wife. So him and my sister-in-law thinking about um, whether they, if they divorced, what would I want my daughter, where would I want my daughter to go? Or if one of them passed away, would I be okay with either of them being in the guardian or do I want just my brother and not his wife to be a guardian? And then making sure that the proper language is put in place. And then again, the, you know, the other one is finding a short-term and a long-term guardian, right? So if you have family that's overseas or far away, even with my brother in LA, I would pick, because I'm in the North Bay, um, Bay Area, it's a good five-hour drive, assuming he can get in his car right then and there. Um, and so I want to pick someone within 20 minutes of where my, me and my daughter are. So if he needs time to get up here, she doesn't end up in foster care even temporarily. And so appointing a short-term 20-minute guardian um, to stand in place for the long-term guardian to arrive. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Got myself muted. Just, uh, background noise, trying to keep it uh, quiet. Now, I wanted to say, of course, you don't think about these like small instances, right? Even like appointing someone who is a short-term guardian versus like, okay, this is the long-term strategy. So I, I, I love yeah. that. I'm going to consider that too. Uh, yeah. Just because my, in my case, my family is all out of town. So I don't yeah. really, or I, they're like across the country in, uh, on the East Coast. Yeah. So it's really going to be challenging. And then one thing I wanted to mention um, of going back kind of the estate planning, right? The legal documents part of it and looking at a trust um, is that a trust I like to look at as a treasure box, right? And the way that they function, because I don't think I covered that um, very much yet, but the way that they function is basically everything you own can go into this treasure box and you hold the key while you're alive. So you have complete control over it still. You get to do what you want. You can add, you can take out, you can make changes as to who gets it. Um, and there's various types of trust, right? And we could probably, I probably could talk forever about this on the different types of trust, yeah. <laughs> but I just wanted people to kind of get a better idea of how a trust works. And it's basically just like a safe, right? A treasure box where everything that you own is protected from the court system. Um, and you get to be in control. And my whole message is empowering women and families. And essentially what you get to do is empower yourself even beyond the grave with these documents. Mm -hmm. I love that analogy. I never <laughs> thought about the treasure box. I mean, this sounds so exciting, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Again, for a, you know, a regular person thinking that they uh, should put something like this together, they would get more excited when they hear about the treasure box. Yeah. <laughs> Garmin, this is amazing. Yeah. So um, I know you wanted to share with, with everyone watching uh, this session, uh, your legacy planning guide. So we're going to um, include that. I think, uh, and maybe you can give a little more uh, interest to what it is. Yeah, so essentially it's it's um, kind of a little intro into creating and planning your legacy, right? Well, we'll go over um, some guardianship tips, um, but it starts with some coaching exercises, looking at the bigger vision um, and really allowing you to sit down and dive into that a little bit and figure out what that means for you. And then it goes through, of course, um, in detail, it has a comparison chart of the documents and all of that fun stuff. And then some tips on appointing a guardian or picking individuals that would um, would be a good fit for you. So it's just a little intro into things to consider, right? That they can work on on their own. Yeah, totally. I think this is a definitely helpful, uh, helpful kind of tool after all of this conversation that we've had around estate planning and legacy planning. So thank you so much again for sticking around uh, for the second session. Please tell everyone again how they can connect with you. Yes, you can reach me um, on my website, carmenrosas.com. 
Um, and my Instagram handle and Facebook is just I am Carmen Rosas. And so again, if you just do a search um, for my name, California attorney, and I will pop up. Sounds good. Yes. And we'll include a link to that too. Awesome. All right, Carmen. Thank you so much again for your time. Bye everybody. Thank you.